tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Oh, yeah! liferadio.fm the uh, Mark and Mac show pulling out of the station how you feeling Mr. Mark not too bad I've been better been worse you know that's good what you gonna well, do cry uh, <laughs> <laughs> well no not today yesterday a little bit yeah but not today <laughs> oh yeah we were off yesterday that's right yeah I had to and the reason was that um I had a I had a medical procedure I had a biopsy for something yesterday and they they uh my last blood uh blood work they some levels were a little out of whack and they wanted to check on something i think well that's fine we're gonna do an mri okay cool and they would they do the mri and we talked about that when i had the mri went back all through that claustrophobia story and everything and then uh, uh the mri results said yeah there's something we need to look at we need to do a biopsy and i said really okay well let's schedule that and the doctor very quickly said this does not mean you have cancer Oh, yeah, they always have to say that. And I thought, well, I wouldn't have thought of it unless you said that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what that was about yesterday. So um, but uh, so I've been under this uh, this thing where for 48 hours you shouldn't. Oh, that was Monday afternoon, actually. So uh, for 48 hours, no lifting anything heavy, no doing this, take it easy, that sort of a thing. So just out of an abundance of caution, just kind of took yesterday off because yeah. didn't want to didn't want to push anything so here we are we thought if we did the power would go off or something <laughs> yeah and then the power you know, was like that was know. monday the power went yeah. off <laughs> that's what i'm talking about like well yeah the thing that gets me is that uh you know when you have a biopsy this doesn't mean you have cancer okay yeah. well you know what i just don't remember you biopsying my flu problem last year you know <laughs> that's right yeah. okay. when i had that sinus infection you didn't yeah. dig a hunk of flesh out of my head to go look at it you know <laughs> and and i thought it was one clip not 27 you know oh I, gosh and that's the weird thing when they tell you yeah we're going to do a biopsy you think they're going to take a little sample of tissue and have a look right. at it right mm-hmm. and they tell you well there's this little spot we want to have a look at right? right you know it's like if you've got that mole or something they want to mm-hmm. take a t- little sample of it and make sure you don't have some sort of a skin cancer right and they say and you think well that's fine and when they sit you down in the room where they're going to do the procedure they show you this illustration uh that's supposed to represent where they're taking the biopsy right <laughs> It's, it's divided into a grid and they say we're going to be taking a sample from each one of these places right <laughs> a total yeah. of a total it turns out it was 15 different places wow so man <laughs> you know I, wow Ladonna years ago when Ladonna had a, a breast cancer scare mm-hmm. and uh, went in for a biopsy mm-hmm. and the doctor he was like um just telling you ahead of time that um <laughs> you know we, when he does the whole bio you know what they're going to do with the biopsy and he goes yeah I think I can get all of it with a biopsy I think I can, and then we'll test it. And if, and if it's bad, then right. we'll deal with that, but you won't, it won't be in there anymore. Yeah. And so he did, he actually went in and used the biopsy tool to take out the entire growth thing. Right. Yeah. And they sent it off and they was like, look, if you have to, we got it all. So if it turns out that we'll, we'll just have treatment after the fact, we won't have to go back in and do this. Right. And you're like, well, that's kind of interesting and sad, you know, because <laughs> I'm like, isn't that how you guys make your money is by scaring us and making us go in for surgery. I mean. I thought that was his doctor scared me now, cash me later. Yeah. Wow. Life radio.fm. Mark and Max show. 
<laughs> you know, texting is a wonderful thing, but not when yeah. you don't need to be texted. Stop that. You know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but but can't you just do no, I really can. I'm, and we're, and we're remember this show. is about the twelfth time I've told you I'm busy right yeah. now. You know. Yeah, <laughs> But can't you, do you realize what I, no. You know what, that's what happens when you're a people pleaser. Oh, it's like yeah. you turn around and go, yeah, sure, I can do it. Yeah. Hey, Mark, I have to go to the bathroom for about an hour and a half. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you folks listen right, to so, the music. We'll be back whenever. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So a cat entangled mm-hmm. in feather boa. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this really weird fire island kind of thing going i know on. isn't okay? it strange yeah transit police in new york came to the rescue of a cat found entangled in a feather boa inside a subway tunnel the new york police <laughs> department said transit officers were tipped off by subway workers that there was a cat inside a subway tunnel police discovered the feline was entangled in a feather boa feline Beeline. Yep. Uh, NYPD officers and New York City transit personnel were able to free the cat, which was taken to a New York City Animal Care Center's facility for evaluation. New York City Animal Care Center said the female cat named Bugle, I okay, is now up for adoption at its Manhattan shelter. <laughs> when you said New York City Animal Care Center, I, uh, I, I'm not kidding in my head. I heard animal extermination. Center. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, it's New York City. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I, I thought they let the cats free to get the rats, and that then the rats it. started eating the cats yeah. and kept getting bigger, so they sent gators down after them. Right. Well, I think what happened was that all the cats that were down there to get the rats in the subways just had a big party, and this one got lost. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mag Show, and I gotta tell you, Mark, before we go too much further, and I can do it now because okay. well. Um I missed Braylon's ball game last night. Oh and he, he's playing coach pitch little league, okay? Oh yeah. Which I'm you know, I am uh I'm kind of old school when it comes to organized games, but I realized how different it is now versus when I was a kid because when I was a kid and you probably it's probably the same thing for you. Where I grew I grew up in Southern California where we walked to school. There was no busing, okay? We had, and, and, and it wasn't a small school. It wasn't like Little House on the Prairie. It was a big school. And you went there from, you know, K through sixth grade. And we all walked. There were no buses because it was, the, the people were all there. Hmm. And so based on that, you realize that we walked to school. We played with kids in the neighborhood. We were playing outside with a baseball or basketball or what football every day yeah. with kids in the neighborhood. So by the time um, Little League started for us at about eight years old, that was when you were first old enough to actually play organized baseball. Now, I think I was the last part of that generation because I remember like the next year or two, they came in with T-ball and coach pitch or pitching machine, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And so they could get kids even younger. It has nothing to do with teaching people the game. It has everything to do with getting more money from parents mm-hmm. because they realize Every parent will pay for their five-year-old, you know, to play t-ball. They can't even, they don't know where they're running. Half the time they're picking boogers or grass and they run to third base instead of first. Every kid hits. There's no score cap. I mean, it's, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And so what, when we started eight years old, you were in C league and you pitched from the very first game, you had a pitcher in everything. Yeah. And I never hit in, in little league, never hit off a coach, never hit off a pitching machine and never a tee. 
But of course, I didn't start till we were eight. Well, we had been playing outside. We had been playing street ball for years at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kids don't have that anymore. First of all, you know, when you live in a more rural area, every kid, nobody walks to school. You know, the schools are not even in an area where you would let your children walk yeah, because, yeah. you know, and so that's one thing. But, you know, so all the kids are kind of spread out. There's not that many. And so you don't have them playing like we did all the time. We, I grew up like the TV, the movie, the Sandlot. Yeah. That was my growing up years. Yeah. And so if you can imagine Scotty Smalls and all those guys playing at the Sandlot all day long, that's what we did. And so the kids don't have that now. They have to do T-ball, coach pitch, whatever. So Braylon, because of COVID, he didn't play T-ball, thankfully. Oh, what a relief. I hate T-ball. Um, <laughs> but because, Mark, people actually argue about it. They argue I about know. T-ball. I They're know. yelling and screaming at four- and five-year-old kids yep. that don't even know how to tie their own shoes, and some still pee their pants. I wow. mean, there's not – yeah. Dude, some of them are not even in school yet, and they're out there playing ball. Hmm. So – I'm not a big fan, but anyway, so Bray's out there last night. I'm, I had to work and I couldn't get away from what I was working on, um, with my other life. Right. And, um, so anyway, I'm, it was an away game, wasn't even close. And so I'm like really disappointed. So Braylon is, uh, cat is playing catcher because he's big, he's strong and he has an arm. That's for starters. Second of all, he can hit a ton. Mm. Dude went like three for four and a home, had a home run. And I missed it. Mm. I missed his first wow. home run, Mark. I missed his first home run. Wow. So I, I'm seriously deciding whether or not I'm ever going to work anymore. <laughs> <I'm>, you know, <laughs> The ding but, people are going to be getting a strong note from you today. It's it's going to be really, it's, it's going to be, you know, this is not supposed to happen right now. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for him. But, you know, because last year he had this, it's so funny, last year, he he looks like a ball player kind of thing, but he was he had a lot of baby fat on him, you know, mm -hmm. and so he's a little pudgy, but you could tell he was big and strong and had a great swing because you think about it, I have had him swinging at baseball since he was two. Whoa! And it was because well yeah because he would get a stick or something to chase us around and hit, and I'm and I'm like if you're gonna hit your mamu, let me show you how to swing, you know, because like, she thought it was cute. He's, hey, Braylon's chasing me with a stick again. And I'm like, okay, here's what you do. She won't think it's yeah. so funny when it really hurts. Well, it did. That's when it stopped. I'm like, okay, no more chasing and hitting Mamu. Please don't hit the dog. That's why we had to get a bigger dog. The little ones couldn't take it anymore. We got Hank. <laughs> Hank's like, did you just swap me, man? It's like in Animal House. Thank you, sir. May I have yeah. another? You know. So I taught him how to swing from the early days, and he's got a great swing. His number seven, he looks like the Mick from the right side, and uh, I, that's it. That'll be the last thing you hear from me about Little League this year and <laughs> oh, uh, unless there's sure. a real big fighter i get thrown out of a game <laughs> life radio.fm the mark and mac show and when i saw this uh, headline on the story i yeah. was looking for an evil knievel cat okay <laughs> stunt devil cat what in the world is a stunt devil i was wondering if my friend bellow knock had adopted a cat you know oh <laughs> A lost cat was reunited with his family after being rescued from a ledge on a San Antonio highway overpass. The cat was nicknamed Stunt Devil Bridges by San Antonio Animal Care Services earlier this month when he was rescued from an Interstate 10 overpass ledge near Cincinnati Avenue. ACS said it has now been contacted by the owners of the cat named Oliver. The family said Oliver had vanished without a trace from their home 
and they searched for the feline, there it is, every day until relatives and friends spotted the cat on ACS's adoption website under the nickname chosen by rescuers. Um, <laughs> ACS said in a Facebook post, while we hope Oliver's alter ego stunt Dibble bridges is well behind him. We equipped him with a registered microchip in case he ever slips out craving adventure again. Hopefully he stays home and out of the precarious situations. Uh, if not his microchip can help us get him back home. Mm, precarious. Uh, uh-huh. feline precarious. Yes. I, <laughs> <sighs> You know, it occurs to me every now and then, uh, okay, every day when we read these stories where they put in the, the, the bigger names for things just to sound it more intelligent and they, and people do the dad jokes. Yeah. These people are all getting paid to do this, you know, yep. <laughs> they're get, actually getting paid to do this. There's something seriously wrong with this. <laughs> there really is. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark there are certain things that um i you and i have talked about doing that thankfully we were either talked out of or contractually not allowed to do yes one of those was skydiving Uh because you know all right just so you know when you do a morning show and uh you're fairly popular and you're doing well in your market and all those things, you can do certain things to get attention or for fun. Those are the two things. One, you try to set a record of some type that gets you attention. Usually you do that when you're trying to beat out somebody in your same format. Um, and then part two is after you've beaten them out in the format, then you go to Disney and take your whole show and your friends. Okay. <laughs> and that's what you do for a couple of days. Yeah. Well, one of the stupid <laughs> things we decided to do was, Hey, Dave, didn't you want, I, I was on the air for 102 hours one time. I rode a roller coaster 102. I didn't actually, but no. that was the whole plan. <laughs> the plan. It was to raise money for charity. And, <laughs> right, now, yeah. and even to this day, I have inner ear problems from something I did 30 years ago. Okay. Yes. But anyway, we at one point had the idea that we could do something with regard to skydiving. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was. It was probably just, you know, it wasn't just to get over my fear of heights or anything else. Cause I don't think you do get over that. Yeah. I think you just, uh, you know, deal with it. But um, anyway, we were talking about doing a skydiving thing. We found a place in Pell City. I remember how far we got with it. And then um, and then it was like, hey, guys, in your contract, it says you can't do stupid stuff like this. You realize that, right? <laughs> you're like, no. Uh, no. <laughs> no. The, the yeah. contract I signed is Bun E. Rabbit. That, <laughs> that contract? That's okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we weren't allowed to do it, which is really cool because about, two, not, I don't want to say this is too flippant. About two months after we couldn't do the skydiving thing, um, a, for an army ranger uh, was in Pell City. Uh, at the, he was a, um, not a ranger, but a, a paratrooper maybe. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who jumped out of planes in the army, okay? Right. And so knew, what a paratrooper. Was, knew what he was doing, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he went to Pell City, and he did it. He was taking his family, showing them you know, the whole thing and having a great time. But he landed wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, he landed too hard and broke his leg. And... I followed that story because I thought, wow, you know, Mark and I were talking about doing, it would have been a yeah. tandem jump, yeah. you know, because we didn't have training, but still right. this guy, it's, he landed so hard, he broke his leg and then it was, it didn't heal properly. And it got infected and it killed him. The guy Ooh. died from landing wrong when he was skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. 
So just throwing that all out there as little reminders of why we don't do stupid things, you know, or things that we think are stupid for us. Okay. Right. I'm not saying skydiving is stupid for you. It might oh, no. be a thrill. I won't know. Just saying. <laughs> but well, a skydiver crashes into electrical lines. Seems like kind of, isn't that kind of like an obvious thing? Like, hey, why is there air? You know? Exactly. A skydiver yeah. crashing into electrical yeah. lines is kind of like somebody's going to have a car wreck today on 459 or 285. Hmm. Well, beginners can get confused about how things, you know, you pull this cord to go this way, you pull this cord to go that way, that sort of a thing. And that's what happens. So to confusing. A pull novice, left to go left, pull right to go right. A novice skydiver's bad fortune ended with authorities marveling at her good luck after firefighters at Southern California Edison and Southern California Edison workers freed her from power lines 35 feet above the ground during a failed landing attempt near Skydive Elsinore. Um, I think it was last Monday. We don't know how she avoided electrocution, but she did, says Battalion Chief Jeff Roberts of the Cal Fire Riverside County Fire Department. He goes on to say she walked away without a scratch. Well, that's because parachute cords don't conduct electricity. I mean, other, <laughs> otherwise she would have been a post toasty. You know what I mean? <laughs> the The student had completed her classroom work and Monday morning, a refresher course. She jumped by herself, but an instructor also jumped about the same time. Um, Mr. Hall uh, from the uh, organization said the jumper was is a student skydiver and was making her first jump flying her own parachute system the parachute opened properly and was in perfect working order at some point during the parachute descent the jumper became confused and flew away from an open landing area and into power lines a 911 caller reported just before noon that a skydiver had been electrocuted but when firefighters arrived they found the woman alive and talking even though the power pole was buzzing wow Dude, man, if Monty Hall is your instructor, come on down, you know? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mag show, and <laughs> the theme to Bad Boys comes to mind. Bad Boys, Bad Boys. Yes. You know, police search for Tiger. <laughs> I'm, if I get that, okay. if I'm a cop, yeah, if I'm a cop and get that call to search for a Tiger, I'm going to be at the donut shop. Somebody else take this call. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Northern Mexico has developed a, such a bad habit with exotic animals and violence. I mean, they, they, they just kind of go together. People not only keep tigers there as pets, they steal them. Prosecutors in the violent... <laughs> Wait a yes. Hold on. Uh-huh. In northern Mexico, people keep tigers as pets? Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. Well, prosecutors okay. in the violent northern state of Sonora said Tuesday that they're searching for a full-grown Bengal tiger, tiger named Baluma. They said the five-year-old male tiger was stolen Monday from a home in the state capital of Hermosillo. They said... The owners had the proper paperwork and that they needed, they needed to keep the animal. Prosecutors distributed photos of the big cat resting in its cage alongside a dog, hoping residents will phone police if they see the tiger. Doesn't one tiger just look like all the other ones? I mean, couldn't they have just... Anyway, Mexico <laughs> has had a long problem with people keeping and occasionally losing control of large cats, which are sometimes found at drug traffickers' residences and are occasionally wow. seen wandering loose. Wow. Yeah. 
um, to give you an idea, okay, when you are, if you are not that familiar with the, uh, with Mexico in terms of a map, like when it says Northern Mexico, what does that say? You know, it says Sonora mm-hmm. or Chihuahua, you know, something like that, yeah. which by a dad, by one of the worst things, Mark, is because of, uh, you know, Les Nessman, when I see Chihuahua, <laughs> I think Chihuahua, <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness, but actually, um, Sonora, uh, this, the Mexican state of Sonora, okay, which is where this is, it runs right up to Arizona. Yeah. And Hermosilla is about three and a half hours away by car. Mm. And so that whole area of northern Mexico where people, you know, like if you're going to go uh, to Tijuana from San Diego, it's kind of like it's the tourist part of yes. Mexico. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not Mexico. Now, go to Hermosillo um, and you're not going to just see tigers. You're going to see lions and bears and guns and <laughs> knives, and, right? Yeah. you know, yeah. and everything you expect to see if you're in drug cartel headquarters, you right. know? Yeah. It's, it's not it's, like you said, it's not like going to Tijuana or no, or going to Baja for, a, a, right. you know, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of Americans go to Baja on surfing yeah. vacations, right? Yep. And Baja, no, that's not Mexico. That's, no. <laughs> that's like the Gulf Coast of Alabama. That's right. You know, exactly. No, it's a good point. And that's why, you know, it's just if you plan and I know that people don't realize people don't realize that Mexico is a dangerous place. Once you get out of Tijuana, Juarez and places like that, there are places along the border that you don't want to mess with, too. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. and it's sad. It is so sad. And but what's worse, Mark, it's not just it's sad from a tourism standpoint. What's really sad is that people who live there can't move away, don't know how to fix the problem mm. and live in this mess day in and day out. So I'm going to tell you what right now. I think if I was living in northern Mexico with my family, we'd have a couple of lions and tigers and bears as pets, too. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show whenever uh we have a story that has the the word mum for mom you know it's british right yeah it is it's yeah. sun kept mum mums mummified corpse yeah. mum yeah well you spent a little time searching for stories to fill a night, fill four hours oh, no. with <laughs> mark There's you'd be a... amazed at the crime stuff that i have to look up you know oh, i know yeah i will tell you there are certain places around the world where different crimes are are just like we look at it and go, what? That, what? Are you, really? And Great Britain's like that a lot, you know, because like they don't. A lot of people have guns and stuff. You'd be right. amazed at the number of knife crimes they have. Yeah. And it's not just any knife, man. It's like it, like that's like a butter knife. Mm-hmm. I'll stab you with a butter knife, and yeah. that'll land you in jail. You know that kind of thing. It's crazy. Jane and I watch uh, a, a couple. Oh, I of, forgot about that. Yeah, we watch a couple of British. Uh, uh, cop shows and uh they're not really cop shows they're they're mysteries but they right. involve the police they're the same little police group every time uh, on one of these shows and it's amazing to me that the police will walk up to someone and just hold up their badge and scream at them to stop police you know just stop <laughs> and they don't have a gun they don't have anything and i'm thinking here in the united states that guy would just shoot you and walk away you know right yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to believe that the badge is going to convince this guy he's, wow. you know, this it's all over, buddy. You know, mm. <laughs> every time they hold the badge up, like this is, this is going to protect me from, oh, sorry. You know, it's just, anyway, a mum, a mummified corpse, a grief stricken son is facing jail after it was discovered. He dug 
up his late mother's body and kept her on his sofa. Wow. Where was Alfred Hitchcock's family when this happened? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Police found the woman's mummified remains inside the home of the man named only as Marion L. in Radland, Poland, after his estranged mother, uh, brother-in-law raised concerns about his health. A search of the 76-year-old's home, this guy, the son, is 76. Just keep that in mind. Found wow. the remains of his mother propped up on a sofa atop a pile of newspapers dating from 2009. The elderly woman had passed away and was buried more than 13 years ago. Wow. A spokesperson for the local police said, we received a report in connection of the, with the disclosure of the body from a family member of the owner of the apartment. It's likely that the man dug up the mother's body immediately after its burial and then mummified it, and the body has remained in his house since 2010. Oh, the man is believed to have exhumed the body himself before transporting her back to his home, which is just uh, 300 yards or so from the cemetery where she'd been laid to rest before using chemicals to preserve her body. Despite having been buried more than 13 years ago, officials said her remains had been in perfect condition. What? Yeah. This is like psycho except on the sofa, you know? Nice, <laughs> man. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't I yeah I, I Mark some people that's that I thought about being stuffed you know okay <laughs> you know I thought that would be a funny thing to do be a coat rack yeah but not it's, a, it's I don't, a joke I'm yeah. say, but no I mean to prepare me like that from the time I die not to put me in the ground like I'm gonna stay there and then pull me out right I mean you've been worm food for a while you know <laughs> well. I don't think so. I think maybe he was waiting until everybody, he just waited and looked around. Everybody's gone. And he goes back and gets her. I think that's what hey, he do you remember in, yeah. the, remember in the movie Scrooged? Okay. Uh -huh. Yes. The first ghost that comes to see him. Oh, uh, yeah. His old boss. <laughs> that would be me. That would be me. If, yeah. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. Having a big day, man. The, uh, <laughs> wait a minute. PETA is in our show today. Yes. Um, okay. How many? We had the lions and tigers and bears. We had cats. Uh, cats. Yeah. Cats. And, okay. I'm just making sure we haven't already hit our limit, Mark. So go ahead. <laughs> in a 30 second video released last Monday by the animal rights organization, PETA, the nonprofit's president, Ingrid Newkirk, calls crustaceans, crabs, Clever, <laughs> calling crabs clever little people. And she urges actual people to think twice about eating them. Quote, humans have always mocked those they find a little different. Crabs may look different from us. They may be small, but that's no reason to harm them. <laughs> she says this as the narrator of this commercial, which PETA said will begin airing on Baltimore area TV stations starting. Actually, it started uh, this past week, this week. <laughs> so this, this spot's running on Baltimore TV stations. Wow. And the latest development in a years-long feud between the nonprofit, PETA, and Jimmy's Famous Seafood, mm -hmm. uh, this is what's going on. Most recently, their sparring escalated with dueling billboards. Wow. Uh, <laughs> a news release from PETA uh, 
announcing the spot says in nature crabs care attentively attentively for their young keep their homes clean and defend neighboring crabs burrows against intruders captured huh. crabs feel agonizing pain when their legs are damaged or torn off by workers quickly ripping them from fishing nets the organization recommended a handful of baltimore businesses with vegan crab alternatives including <laughs> the land of kush refocused dota's kitchen leora and harmony bakery to those who might be willing to give up the real deal wow now this billboard campaign has been going on for a while and they they actually PETA actually set up uh bought billboards near this jimmy seafood that talked about it like this billboard says the, the horrible the you know these they have mm-hmm. feelings they're you know yeah. they're a lot like people and they've been and they've been killed for your and you know for your yeah you know and so Jimmy's bought the billboard right next to him. It says, it would be a shame to let him go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy sells t-shirts with crabs on them. It says, PETA, people, people eating tasty animals. So. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Mark and Mac show. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. Hey, you know, Mark, we, um, in, in our world today, we see sports, uh, we see athletes at the professional level play into their forties yeah. and it's a big deal, right? Yeah. A lot has been made about Tom Brady, you know, playing football oh, yeah. Um, yeah. as quarterback for so many years. And anyway, I was wondering if this is kind of a new phenomenon, you know, of players playing learn, I know we certainly take care of our bodies a lot better uh, than than we used to as a people, you know. Um, I mean, my goodness, watch any movie from, that's made in the 40s, and there's so much smoke from people smoking oh, cigarettes. You true, think they're, yeah. you know, shoot, they're filming in clouds. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, the reason I bring that up is um, I was, because I'm a baseball guy, and baseball is a world of statistics, um, there was a little note that popped by my thing the other day um, on Facebook, actually, because um, if you visit a site or talk about a site around your computer, it automatically <laughs> gives you that stuff. And so it's it had spooky, a, but it's true. Yeah. Had a thing about Warren Spawn, the pitcher for the Milwaukee Braves uh, mm-hmm. back in the day in 1963. Um, Warren Spawn, before the season started, he was 42 years old, been in the league for 21 years. OK, yeah, it, at 42, pitchers usually are not pitching. It's just not that common. Mm. But this is back in 1963. He's 42, and he's uh, the pre- he, he had won 18 games the year before mm. at 41. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, at 42, he tells the coach, and it was they were at spring training, and uh, the, uh, the reporter was asking him, you know, being older, do you take part in all of the stuff like everybody else? Because, like, when Roger Qu- Clemens, even though he was roided up, his last year of playing, he didn't do a whole lot. You know, he would kind of fly into town when it's time to pitch and then take a week off. Mm. And But Warren Spahn said, no. He's like, you know, we're at spring training. He said, I do everything everybody else does. It's a team sport. I'm on the team. If they're doing calisthenics, I'm doing calisthenics. If they're running, I'm running. Anyway, it's really cool. But he said the one thing that he asked of his the manager was, if I'm going to play this year, you've got to pitch me every four days. Uh, you know, pitchers traditionally it's a four day rest. That's a normal rotation. Um, as they get a little bit older, they go to a five day rotation sometimes. Um, and sometimes once a week even. And Spawn was like, I, my, you know, my 
body, I'm a creature of habit. My arm needs to throw every four days. It's just the way it's been. And he said, I, you know, he said, I think I can win 20 games again, you know, even at 42, but I got to pitch every four days. And so the manager agreed. He's okay. If that's what you say you want to do. So he starts, you know, he pitches opening day and true to his word, the coach penciled him in four days later, you know, in the pitching rotation. And so at 42 years old in 1963, Warren Spahn pitching every four days went 23 and six. Wow. Yeah. At 42. And he didn't retire then. He played the next two years. He finally retired after the 65 season. But it was just one of those moments of clarity that I'm looking at thinking, you know, we make such a big deal out of everything, you know, now. And it's like, there, if you look back, there are a number of examples of this type yeah. of athlete yeah. back in the day that played, you know, for a long, long time. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of it was fear because they couldn't do anything else. And right. they make a yeah. whole lot of money yeah. playing baseball. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we yeah. do have a bad case uh, today of, well, this never happened before. Right. You know, we just, we compl- we're completely ignorant of what has yeah. gone before us. Oh and, yeah. And, uh, it's in I all, think that's me. <laughs> well, that's, that's yeah. well, all of us to a degree, but, but the younger of us today have no idea what's happened in our country before right. in the world before and such, because they're not being taught that in school anymore. Right. And, yeah. uh, and if you're curious about history, then, and you go to the history channel, well, <laughs> you'll learn about Bigfoot yeah. and the uh, money pit. That's right. <laughs> you're not going to learn about history. And if, and so you're going to have to get curious and go online and start doing some searching and you'll be amazed at what has happened before. If you just do a little research, <laughs> but sadly you're not going to find out about it in class today. Life radio.fm Mark and Mac show and, uh, Mark Braylon is uh, eight years old, and he is getting into all kinds of interesting things now. It's a, you know, not just chasing bubbles and things like that anymore. <laughs> now it's dinosaurs, you know, and footprints. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just really cool because you know there are so many things that as adults we forget to really take great joy in finding things, you know? Mm. And, and so when he finds things out about dinosaurs, he just wants to tell you about them and talk about them. And, yeah. and it's just so cool. And I'm thinking, why didn't I get excited about that? You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, anyway, I'm, tr- I am, I gotta be honest. I am trying to push him, not push. I'm trying to lead him into, you know, the periodic table and things like that and great literature, but uh, ultimately I, I, I don't think that's going to be where he heads. I, mm. you know, no, he's an athlete. So yeah, even yeah. at eight, at eight, I'm already working on the first contract to sign with the Braves. Just letting you know, <laughs> getting, getting out ahead of this mark. I'm not going to wait. So anyway, <laughs> when I saw that a dinosaur claw was found somewhere, mm-hmm. my first thought was, I can't wait to tell Braylon about this. Yeah. Yeah. You might want to wait a British woman has sparked fears of dinosaurs running around the UK after she made an unusual discovery in her front yard. Laura Moorcroft came across what she claims is the claw of some prehistoric beast and reached out to experts at the Chester Zoo and a local vet for some answers. She said, I instantly thought it was from a dinosaur. My husband and I had just come back from a walk and he noticed it on the grass. It looks prehistoric to us, a scaly (laughs) lizard-like claw. We have CCTV, but it was a bit too far down in the garden to to pick anything up, so it remains a mystery. I like our guess of a velociraptor best. I love that people had the same thinking. I saw someone had thought it was a a gremlin. (laughs) 
We didn't think something like this would grab everyone's attention. Of course, she's talking about online when she you know, mm-hmm. shared it online. Both Chester Zoo and the local vet even seemed a bit baffled by the mystery. She says, well, one said it was like a, like a pheasant and the other a turkey, so we're still none the wiser. However, she is convinced it was from a dinosaur, but her assumption was burst by a biologist from Harvard University. Boo. Uh, our cat... Abzanov said the first birds were almost identical to the late embryo from velociraptors. He clarified that real velociraptors were also feathered and about the same size as turkeys. (laughs) So so the mystery remains unsolved. Oh, well, call the History Channel because uh, this could be the pilot for their next series. Mm -hmm. What Bigfoot eats for lunch. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show as a, another glorious day up and running and ready to roll <laughs> it's been one of those um one of those springs that just kind of got here you know <laughs> we didn't really i mean we had that one cold spell right around right. christmas i mean yeah. that and that was it pretty much i'm i'm not hexing us it's late enough in the year now that i we can get away with saying it's april for crying yeah, out loud yeah we've had but, one we've had one really rough cold spell you know it got yeah. really cold yeah but other than that we had a very moderate winter mm-hmm. and spring has been pretty interesting thus yeah. far so just <laughs> kind of curious got down in the 40s the other night and then yesterday yeah. it's 88 hello yep. <laughs> oh i know it's like wow the the projects you thought could wait because of air conditioning probably not gonna but i I was looking we're still gonna go back we're gonna ping pong for the next two weeks you know it'll be really really hot or you know chilly so Mm -hmm. just throwing it out there that it has been an interesting spring it has meanwhile back at the ranch a baby born in a parking lot Mm -hmm. not the most uncommon thing i mean it does happen Mm. babies get born hey man when they're ready they head for the exit sign that's true we worked with a guy once who who the one of his kids was born in the front seat of their minivan so, oh yeah you know well the reason in the front seat is because they had like 27 kids already, <laughs> the rest I of mean. the van was packed yeah yeah <laughs> well emergency responders in michigan said an impatient baby refused to wait for the hospital and ended up being born in the parking lot of a costco store green oak township fire department said the couple a couple was on their way to the hospital saturday when they realized they wouldn't make it in time for their baby's birth the couple pulled over in the parking lot of the Brighton area Costco wholesale store and contacted Livingston County EMS. Emergency responders arrived just in time to assist with the delivery, which fire officials said was successful without complications. The mother and a baby were transported the rest of the way to the hospital in an ambulance. Green Oak Fire Deputy Chief Tracy Chamberlain said the family was doing well after the delivery. (laughs) Okay. You know what's missing from the story here? What? Costco stepping up with a supply of diapers. Oh wow! Shouldn't they You're have right. done something like that? Well, you know what? Now that now that they have been reminded that this is a marketing opportunity to yeah. show that you have a heart, great deals, and everything else. Here you go. Let's see what they can make of it, Mark. Come on, Costco, step up. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, and Mark. The, the world has changed from the, you and I have talked about this many, many times about how our television viewing habits have changed. Mm. They've changed so much that when I saw the headline on this story, I was thinking Hulu, the TV thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, because <laughs> Texas, yeah, Texas woman, Hula Hoops. And oh. my thing was Hulu. What It's on there. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it is like, weird, yeah. 
The thing is, nowadays, you can actually have a network-caliber television show with network-caliber TV or movie stars in a show mm. that you've never heard of and can't find anywhere. But, it, you know, it's a network. Yeah. And it's yeah. just unbelievable what is out there. I don't, I don't understand it, but it has ingrained itself now. So I guess I better figure it out. <laughs> well, Otherwise, I'll be looking for this Texas woman doing the hula hoop on Hulu. Yeah, and since you've referred to her, guess what it is? What is that? It's, it's, oh. it's a major <laughs> award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It looks like a lamb. A Texas woman combined her skills of roller skating and hula hooping. Hula hooping? Hula Hooler. hooping. <laughs> hey, where was that? I found it on the hula. Uh, and hula hooping to break a Guinness World Record. 54-year-old Veronica Harris of Houston earned the record for the longest duration roller skating backwards while hula hooping. 33 wow. minutes and one second. Uh, she says, I love skating, but I'm passionate about hula hooping. I love the challenge of trying to make the hula hoop do what is in my brain. It takes months to learn a trick, and that's okay. Life's a journey, not a marathon. Wow. Harris also holds the record. For longest duration roller skating backwards while spinning three hula hoops. That's five minutes and four seconds. She said other record attempts are in her future. Well, she's 54. Yeah. And uh, I, if, doing any one of those by itself, you know, is fine. I just thinking, really? Uh -huh. I can't do it. I mean, usually when we have a Guinness Book of World Records story, okay? Yeah. I think about it. Could I do this or how much could I do? Right, you know, I yeah. certainly can't do as much of that as this person, but I bet I could do a little bit mm. on this one. I guarantee you, I cannot do any of it. Not one, mm. not one. I, I, and there's not enough practice time to let me do it, Mark. I, I need to go on their website and see if there's a category for walking and chewing gum at the same time. <laughs> With a hula hoop. No, no, that's way <laughs> too far. No. liferadio.fm the mark and mag show and you know we have had an uh, an animal kind of show today we've had a number of stories about them not that uncommon but these are kind of not domesticated but they're like the boring animals you know the felines the canines the yeah, you know yeah. uh, <laughs> I, but you're using the big words though <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> just to make it a little different so we have an escaped cow now yeah an escaped cow to me is future barbecue okay <laughs> That's all it is, an escaped cow. There you go. <laughs> a 10-month-old cow escaped from a field in England and ended up spending more than 10 hours on a tennis court about a mile away. The mm -hmm. calf escaped from a field in Great Bowden and was spotted at the Market Harbor Lawn Tennis Club about a mile away, uh, according to owner Vicki Gillespie. Phil Harris... I remember him. Head coach at the tennis club said it was a surprising slight, uh, sight to discover a baby cow on the tennis courts. Shocked witnesses captured photos and videos showing the cow wandering around the courts and trying to get into the clubhouse through the automatic doors. It just wanted a refreshment, you know. Adam Shepard, chairman of the Great Bowden Parish Council, was among the local residents who came to the tennis club to see the cow. He said, we have no idea how it got here or why it was there. I... I and I do, I was just standing there. It was just standing there mooing and walking around and seemed to be having the time of its life. We checked the fences and there was no obvious means of entry and nothing seemed to be, to be broken. So unless the cow had the code to the gate, we figure a member of the public must've let it in for some reason. 
<laughs> they did re- <laughs> return the cow safely to its herd. But Wow. Again, why? <laughs> the cow later said uh, he was just there for the pickleball tournament and doesn't know what all the fuss was about. <laughs> Move him over here. Liferadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, where today... We have had the, the dogs, cats living together, the mass hysteria. <laughs> yes, we have. The bones from the past. We, <laughs> I mean, we even had, we had dinosaur. We had dinosaur mum being buried and dug up. <laughs> and now the New York Museum, an epic fail of bad mistakes. Yeah, an exhibit in Brooklyn, New York is paying tribute to all the inventors who shot for the stars and fell on their faces. It's called the <laughs> Museum of Failure. And it features a lot of bad ideas. I love this idea, man. I really do, Mark. (laughs) Like a chair that lets you exercise while you work at your job by moving your abs the way a hula hoop does. Now, (laughs) the story actually has a video attached to this woman sitting in this chair. And the seat of the chair is going around in circles while she's sitting there. And so her lower half is just moving around in circles. It's really kind of weird. Add that to the office, guys. The museum's organizer says she wants the exhibit to echo the sentiment that failure can be your greatest teacher. Joanna Gutman, the Museum of Failure organizer, says it's not really about the products. It's about having that conversation about failure. What do we learn from failure? How does the fear of failure hold us back from innovating, trying new things, taking meaningful risks? So while the new Coke, purple ketchup, and the pen designed specifically for women weren't bestsellers, they can still serve another purpose by encouraging others to embrace failure as part of the creative process. The items were all rounded up for display by a Swedish psychologist who says, Companies that embrace failure are often on the right track to eventual success. Gutman says people can feel comfortable trying different things, experimenting, and ultimately innovating. There's even a wall for museum visitors to admit their failures on a post-it note, which (laughs) was also a product failure before it became known for what it is now. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, Night at the Museum (laughs) with Ben Stiller was built around a failed... Inventor. Remember, he came up with the snapper instead of the clapper. It was the snapper. Okay. And yeah. while he's in, in the first movie, you know, he's trying to get his life on career on track. And he's yeah, actually yeah. trying to his Ben trying to his yeah. real life mom and Mira. And she looks at him and she goes, not everybody can snap their fingers. Everybody <laughs> can clap, you know? So there you go. Now we have the Museum of Failure, and we will start with Ben Stiller, character Larry, or whatever. There we go. I'd totally forgotten about that. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show. And, you know, Mark, I don't even know. I I know now because I looked, but I didn't know what day of the week it was. I'm not kidding. (laughs) I was sitting here a minute ago looking at the computer monitor, and... Like what is today? <laughs> it could be a Monday, could yeah, be a Thursday. Yeah. I don't. It's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but it could be Tuesday. We just don't know. Yeah, because these are all made up. Who made up that today will be called? You know, Thursday. <laughs> you know, we could change them all. Yeah, it could have been Mark for the first day, Marquee for the second day, Mark for the. You know, could have okay. just done that. Sure. Yeah. 
I, I'm sure that there is a history of it, and but you'll never find out about it on the History Channel. So they, No, you won't. Not but unless. I bet we could find out about this woman's life, because yeah. here's your headline. Mm-hmm. Fall into giant vat of liquid chocolate saves woman's life. Well, it's not Augustus Gloop. What's her first name? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a woman did the tour at Willy Wonka's place. <laughs> a woman pulled alive from the aftermath of a Pennsylvania factory explosion, which killed seven co-workers, survived oh, wow. after she fell into a vat of liquid chocolate. Flames had engulfed the R.M. Palmer Company factory in West Reading, and Patricia Borges' arm when the floor collapsed, sending her into the chocolate and extinguishing the flames. The 50-year-old, who broke her collarbone and both of her heels in the fall, was rescued from the rubble nine hours later. She said from her hospital bed, When I began to burn, I thought it was the end for me. I asked God why he was giving me such a horrible death. I asked him to save me, that I didn't want to die in the fire. A cause of the explosion, which injured 10 others, has not been determined, but the Federal Transportation Safety Agency has characterized it as a natural gas explosion. She said workers had complained about a gas odor for about 30 minutes before the explosion and was and is angry the factory wasn't evacuated. Last week, West Reading Borough Mayor Samantha Cag revealed the explosion was so big, it moved an apartment building four feet forward. Wow. She said it's pretty leveled. The building in the front with the church and the apartments, the explosion was so big it moved that building four feet forward. That's amazing. Yeah. That that really is. <clears throat> but I was thinking, did she fall or was she at lunch? You know, I'm just kind of saying that. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And after a day like today, after a show like today, we need an ambulance joyride, Mark. That's what we really need. <laughs> I think we do. Wow. A patient stole the ambulance that had taken him to a New York City hospital. And then he <laughs> took it on a 25-mile joyride. That, ended that is with, so New York, man. It, it really, really is. It is. It really <laughs> is. That ended when the state police used a spike strip to stop him. The incident <laughs> unfolded early last Thursday after a 47-year-old man was taken to Mount Sinai Morningside Hospital in Manhattan for observation. Observation. There's your key. <laughs> yeah. The ambulance he had ridden in was sitting outside the hospital unlocked unoccupied and with the keys in the ignition when the man left the facility just before 5 a.m the man got in and drove off the ambulance was tracked by gps heading north through westchester county on interstate 87 state troopers spotted the ambulance near tarrytown and tried to stop it the driver failed to stop and the troopers gave chase the runaway ambulance was finally stopped when troopers put a tire spiking device on the Mario M. Cuomo bridge that spans the Hudson River, <laughs> police said. The ambulance's tires deflated when the man tried to cross the bridge. The man was arrested on charges including grand larceny, criminal possession of stolen property, unlawfully fleeing a police officer in a motor vehicle, and driving while intoxicated. No! <laughs> well... There's a lot of things that make sense when you're under the influence, Mark. That's true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is not one of them. The hospital let him go. Yeah. That's the thing. So he was he was drunk and the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, who's in more trouble? The guy that stole the ambulance or the idiot who left the ambulance parked with the keys <laughs> in it? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> 
Begin your day with a smile. The Mark and Mac Show, weekday mornings only on liferadio.fm.